You're listening to Hawk Talk with former Seahawks wide receiver Michael Bumpus. At the 10-yard line, second and eight. Three wide receivers now in motion as Bumpus left to right. Julius Jones with single setback. Matt Pumpfakes looking to the goal line. He throws it into the end zone. Touchdown, Seahawks! It's Michael Bumpus with a diving catch in the end zone. A 10-yard touchdown reception for Bumpus, and the kid out of Washington State has found himself a place on this team. Powered by Seahawks.com. What up, 12? This is Michael Bumpus, and this is Hawk Talk Recap Edition. The Seahawks fall to the Rams 23-16. Not the result that we won in Asacholi, but before we get into everything, we're going to start it off like we usually do on a recap edition. Going in the trenches with Ray Roberts. It's time to go inside the trenches with former Seahawk Ray Roberts. Big Ray, what's going on, what's man? That? I'm just chilling, man. Trying to uh, recover from that from that uh, loss yesterday. Recovering from loss, aren't we all? First impressions. When you think about this Seahawks versus the Rams game, what's the first thing that comes to mind? The first thing that comes to to mind for me is just disjointed. It just it just really felt like uh, there was no connectivity between uh, the the run game and a pass game and a deep, the 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 defense with the pass rush and the pass protection or defending the run. Like every, nothing just seemed to mesh well. Even though I think the defense made some improvements, it just felt like uh, like you le- I felt like I left the game with a bunch of Lego pieces on the ground and they and, and they used to be like a ship or something. And now they're it's just all falling apart. They're just different pieces on the ground. I'm trying not to step on them. <laughs> That's kind of what I felt like last night when I got home. I feel you. I feel you. Well let's let's talk about the matchup that I guess we were looking at. Kyle Phillip versus Aaron Donald, the most dangerous man in the NFL. How do you think he did against that guy? You know, I think just in general, the offensive line uh, did okay. If you look at his stat line, uh, he only had uh, two quarterback hits. That was his. That was his stat for the entire game. Uh, although there were times where he got pressure, uh, but he wasn't uh, getting pressure in a way that uh, that he was dominating the game. And I went back last night and watched like the first quarter and a half or so of the game, uh, just so I could see where he was. And they actually moved him around between. Uh, the, over the center and over both guards. And so I think they were trying to work the rookie a little bit. They were trying to work Cal Fuller a little bit and isolate him uh, with Aaron Donald. And then they were also, uh, you know, trying to go at Yapati uh, uh, because of, uh, you know, just probably athletically. I think strength-wise, Yapati matched up well, but athletically uh, Aaron Donald had the advantage. And from what I saw uh, just in that quarter and a half or so, I mean, obviously you're not going to be perfect when you're blocking that dude. But but they were doing a good enough job uh, against him that uh, that you didn't feel like he was taking over and dominating the whole game. All right, now the last three games, four games have been a struggle when it comes to the run game. Are we finally to a point where people are going are starting to realize just the importance of having a guy like Chris Carson in the backfield? Absolutely, I, I think some of the decisions that that are made or not made. Uh, in the run game has a lot to do with Chris Carson. I think also they're missing the passing element of Chris Carson in the uh, in the offense uh, because he was, you know, I think going into the season they wanted to have like 50 targets or so to Chris Carson, and they started out really well with uh, using mixing him up in the run game and screen game and, uh, you know, getting him out into some routes and things like that. There's other talents and gifts that he brings to the table. 
but he also just brings like the attitude and the confidence in the, uh, with the coaching staff that, uh, that they can do some different things in the run game. And so, uh, as much as we like to see, uh, this offense be aggressive with the ball and scoring a bunch of points and things like that, uh, I think it has been to the detriment of the defense as far as struggling defense on top of that. So, uh, I think that there has to be, if they can get Chris Carson, the sooner they can get either Chris Carson or Carlos Hyde back, I think it'll start to stabilize the offense again. And then, and then I think they'll, they'll either rely, not rely on it, but mix in the running game and the passing game and blend them together versus saying, Hey, we're a passing football team. And then every now and again, uh, we're going to, you know, we're going to run the ball. I think Danny O'Neill did a good job last night, you know, and his explanation of it of back in the day, uh, it was mostly a running team. And then when you threw the ball, the, you had to do damage when you're throwing the ball. And now it's the the reverse where uh, we're a throwing team and then those opportunities when you run the ball, you have to be able to do damage. And I think the best chance to do that is with Chris Carson. Now you talk about throwing the football. Obviously the Hawks are throwing the football a lot more. And because of that, Russell's been turning the ball over a lot more. The last two or three weeks has been rough on him. What are you seeing out of him? Are, are there corrections that need to be made? Um, talk about Russell. Yeah, so when I when I look at Russell, like it's it's weird because sometimes you just want him to take the yardage that's there. So that may be the dump down to the tight end, it may be the swing route to the to the to the running back, or it may be, hey, like everyone's we're trying to push the ball down the field and that's a lot of space between me and the next defender. Let me just go get those eight or nine or ten yards and just keep the, the chains moving. Uh and it's and it's really hard. To, to ask Russell to do that because he's so gifted at making plays down the field. But I think at this point, just to stabilize the offense, not that you're saying not to be aggressive with the ball and all that, but you have to start taking what's there uh, to keep the offense, um, you know, ahead of the chains, but then also give your defense an opportunity to, to not be on the field so much, keep the other offense off the field, like those types of things. And so I, you know, I have, faith and trust in Russ that when he says that he's going to make the right corrections and, and he trusts in his process, his process has, has proven to be uh, a very good one and to be able to get him to where he is in his life and in his career. So I, I trust that he's going to make the necessary things, the necessary changes uh, to get the offense back on track uh, for, from his perspective. And then I think to help that is, is, to, is, to, is to lean on that offensive line in the run game more. All right, big game coming up on Thursday. Ray, Arizona beats the Buffalo Bills in a miracle play <laughs> to, to seal it. The last time the Hawks played, um, Arizona got the best of them. One, is how important is this game? And two, what do the Hawks need to do to make sure they do not go 0-3 in their last three? Well, you know, we were having this discussion last night on the on the post-game show, and uh, Paul Moyer was saying, like, hey, you know, like we're going into this game injured. They are not as injured. Um, they're coming off a big, you know, win. And this may just have to be a, a loss that we take, but we still have a chance to win, you know, 12 or, you know, 12 games, 12 or 13 games going down the stretch. And so the only thing, only problem I would have with, with that methodology is that um, then that would mean that you're going to, you're, you're willing to lose three games in a row. And to me, that says something. That, that says something else to the team if they can't come out of here with a win. Uh, and then they're looking at a three-game losing streak when they started the season with a six-game winning streak. Uh, I think that says something. Uh, uh, I think that would have something to do with the team, just from a mental perspective, from a confidence perspective, from a uh, even a confidence into who we are and what we're doing. So it may 
force people to then start trying to do things outside of their abilities and capabilities and make the thing worse. So I think it's important just from a mental approach and from a psychological approach with the team that they find a way to win this game. It doesn't have to be, you know, Russell throwing the ball 50 times or the defense shutting everything down. Just win the football game. I think they just they just need to win a football game. And it doesn't have to look pretty. It doesn't have to have the best stats in the world. The only stat they need to have is one more point than Arizona when, when the clock hits the triple zeros. Well, I feel you there, Big Ray. The plus side is the Hawks are undefeated at home. So let's make sure they keep that going like always, big homie. I appreciate your time, man. Oh, thanks for having me, man. And, uh, you know, I, I feel like the, the – you know, some people are kind of panicking a little bit around the program, but I don't think there's any pro- uh, panic in Russell or, or Pete. Obviously, there's concern, but there's not panic. Those are two different things. And so I think they'll have a, I think they'll start to figure it out. It, it may not look like they're figuring it out on, on Thursday, but I think they'll get it figured out and finish the season strong. All right, you hear from Big Ray. Folks, don't panic. It's all good. Thanks, Ray. All right, Big Dog. All right, NASA. Let's break this thing down. What happened? See what had happened at first was. <laughs> What had happened was. On Hawk Talk. What had happened was. Oh, my goodness. Well, the Seahawks lost their second consecutive game in a row, dropping the game to the Rams 23-16. to This is just the ninth time in Russell Wilson's career the Seahawks have lost consecutive games. Bump. And, man, I'll just start with this, man. The Seahawks defense has taken a lot of heat this year. A ton. We're talking about them every single week, and sometimes it was deserved. But. Last night, or yesterday, when Seahawks played the Rams, they absolutely did not lose because of this defense. Nope. That was not the reason why they lost this football game. I mean, you look how the game started, this defense. Yes, they allowed 214 yards in the first half, and it took them a while to get going. Goff and the Rams kind of went up and down the field in the first couple drives, and pretty much all those yardage were on two drives. Um, And after that second half, the Seahawks defense allowed 170 yards the rest of the game. And most importantly, just six just six points, one touchdown drive, and four three straight punts. So I'm going to try to spin it positive to start as we look back at this game because while the defense wasn't perfect, it was one of their better games, holding the Rams to only 23 points. And if you hold the team 23 points, you're assuming the Seahawks are going to score a lot more than that and win the football game. So it was really tough to see that yesterday. Now, to me, it was the best game of the year for this defense. You held the team to 23 points, under 400 yards for the first time all season, I want to believe. The only touchdown they got in the second half was off a bogus mm-hmm. pass interference call, DJ Reed. I don't know how else he, he's supposed to play that football. But the defense got better. The story is, when they don't win the turnover battle, this team doesn't win football games. And they didn't win the turnover battle. Russell throws a couple picks. Um, there's a fumble. It's reminiscent of last week. We sat here and said, there's no way Russell's going to have a game like he had last week. Wasn't as bad, but didn't take care of the football. It all has to come together at the same time. And I'm being optimistic, and I think it's getting closer. You still have three sacks against the Rams. The Rams had ten, allowed 10 sacks coming into this game. Jamal Adams had two. And I believe Puna or someone else had half the other one. So there, there's some positive there. Now, offensively, we saw something we haven't seen all this year. Now, this is the first time the Hawks were held under 27 points. The first time. If the Hawks just play a regular game, a regular Seahawks game, nothing spectacular, just what they've been doing. They win this football game. After scoring a TD on the opening drive, the rest of the Seahawks drives were punt, field goal, interception, field goal, punt, punt, fumble, interception, field goal. That don't look like Seahawks football. No, it's not good enough. Um, and it's it's really weird to see because this offense coming into the game was the number one scoring offense in the NFL, averaging 34 points a game. 
and even games where they did turn the ball over, they still put up big numbers on offense. Um, and, and like you said, it's a, it's a turnover battle. Um, Pete Carroll preaches it's all about the football, and unfortunately, this team has not looked like themselves. Uncharacteristic, seven turnovers on offense the past two weeks. That's just not a recipe uh, for winning football games. Yep, not the recipe, and not great in the red zone. That's something else that the Hawks are good at. They're typically one of the best teams in the red zone. I believe they were one for three in the red zone this game. You get down there, you got to get yourself some points. Uh, now, the offense didn't rack up over 300 yards. So the offense, 7 for 14 on third down, 50%. You kind of want to be around 60%, but that's better than, than what we've seen. Um, now, let's talk about that fourth down. Fourth oh, and inches. Oh, my Ever, goodness. It's tearing Pete up. And I'm, I'm, I'm going to go to bat for Pete. I've seen this, okay? Fourth and inches. Hey, hey, just do a quarterback sneak. Last week, Russell got a quarterback sneak. First time for a touchdown. Let's not forget, you have Kyle Fuller, who's a green center, Got Aaron Donald, who's going to be lined up in one of the A gaps. They're going to walk a linebacker down, and he's thinking, hey, let's punt the ball, make them go 80 yards to get this touchdown. If they don't, if they go for it, they don't get it. They essentially gave them the ball on the 40. Like Pete Carroll said, that's a turnover. I would have went for it, but I understand why Pete didn't go for it. Oh, no question about it. And honestly, I have no idea why this became such a huge talking point as if it cost the Seahawks a football game. When we were listening yeah. to his press conference yesterday, there was about four or five questions in a row trying to essentially asking the same question, just twisting their words differently. Here's the deal. Let's look at the situation, okay? The score was 13 to 17 Rams, okay? There's 13 minutes and 14 seconds remaining in the third quarter. Now, this was Hold three on. minutes... If there was three minutes left in the game, I can see. Maybe. Okay. The defense, despite how they've played this year, had forced a fumble and a punt on the previous two Rams possessions. The ball was on the Seahawks' own 42-yard line. And like Pete said this morning, if you don't get it there, that is a turnover. That's a turnover. Um, and, okay, and then people would be doing the opposite thing, and they would be crushing Pete if they went and scored two plays later. They'd be like, what are you doing? Why would you do that? Blah, blah, blah. So it's just I don't understand it. And – the Rams, that was, they scored a touchdown on that drive, like we mentioned earlier, aided by a nonsense pass interference penalty. Yeah. Um, and that was the only score they got in the entire second half. I just don't understand. It was a one-score game with literally 13 minutes in the third quarter. It makes no sense. And the fact that, yes, so he challenged the spot, right? People well, don't know all the other things going around. Like you mentioned, we know where Aaron Donald's going to line up. Kyle Fuller played with a high ankle sprain. He was just gutting his way through the game. So maybe Pete Carroll said, took that into account and said, hmm, maybe our starting center who's gutting it through with a high ankle sprain is not going to move Aaron Donald off the spot, and we might not get this first down. There's yeah. one, And then the, and the other thing, too, is like teams do this all the time. You come back out on the field. You say, hey, we're not going to run the play, but let's just see if they jump. Maybe they give us a bone, right? And now people are like, why would they do that? Like, this, just go for it. You already lost your time. I just – I can't. Honestly, I bump, I can't. I'm okay with people thinking like, hey, man, go for it. Like wanting Pete to be aggressive there. I'm okay with that. But people around here are acting like – Danny said this perfectly on the postgame show last night, that Pete, Co uh, Pete Carroll committed some coaching malpractice by not exactly. going for it there. I mean, it's unbelievable. No, definitely not the reason they lost the game. I know some 12s are going to disagree with me on that, but that's, that's facts. And you're never going to convince me otherwise. Um, the Seahawks lost the game for a lot of reasons, and that decision had nothing to do with it. No, had nothing to do with it. This is this is football. I've seen this scenario a thousand times in my 15, 20 years of covering and playing football. Fourth and inches, you're in your own territory. 
make them work, get the whole field. You bring your offense out. You try to get them to jump. Maybe they do. You get free yards. It's almost like a dance that I've seen before. I know this routine. I've seen this routine mm-hmm. before. It's a standard coaching right here. So people who are who are going after Pete, one, I don't really think you understand football. I just don't think. Yep. Like this is this is, like you said, like Danny said, he didn't do any malpractice. This is standard procedure when it comes to coaching. Now rolling the dice would be going for it. And the quarterback sneaking it. And then, like you said, if he doesn't get it, everyone's mad. Pete, what are you doing? He'll never be right to everyone in that situation. But guys who have played the game and coach the game, they understand what went down. Too much time left on the clock. Make these guys march down the field. And if they didn't get a PI call, they probably would have stopped them. And Pete Curl's a genius. So hush your mouth. Let's <laughs> move on to Playmakers. Touchdown, Seahawks! Playmakers. Showdown, what time it is? Holy captain! All right. First playmaker, Alex Collins, the new guy on the block, had 11 carries for 43 yards and one touchdown, one reception for four yards. You look at the 11 carries for 43, and you don't think it's much. But it felt like when the ball was in his hands, there was potential for a big run. And he he brought a feeling to that run game that I haven't felt since Chris Carson hasn't been back there. It wasn't spectacular, but he did score a touchdown. He did get that game going. That first series, Alex Collins was one of the guys who set the tone for this football team. Yeah, no question about it. It's good to see Alex Collins come back. You know, we drafted him in 2016, and he went off to Baltimore, had a 1,000-yard season. And good to see him come back and, and kind of get his foot wet, uh, feet wet and help this football team. Um, none of the running backs that are currently healthy right now are play the game the way Chris Carson plays the game. Those are all good football players, and it was good to see. What I saw from Alex Collins was just a little bit more – I don't know if physicality is the right word. It's just a little more downhill, north-south, and I like where he's running his feet. So it was really good to see Alex get out there and, and really help this football team. He looked good, and I love seeing that toss play. Oh, shout-out on that touchdown note. Shout-out to Dwayne Brown. Dwayne took, Brown! <laughs> took their Mike linebacker and put him in the end zone as AC scored. So I love that toss action. I love to see those big boys getting up front and getting physical. So it was good to see Alex Collins get after it. It was. It looked confident. When mm-hmm. Alex Collins was running, he looked Confident, he wasn't second guessing himself. All right, another playmaker, DJ Reed, 10 tackles, one tackle for loss, one fumble recovery, a kickoff return for four to three yards, nice third down stop on a screen. We list all these things. I heard him talk with Q13 post game, and he was just pointing out all the negatives. I, I could have had a pick, I could have done this, I could have done that. That's the mentality you mm-hmm. want from a young guy or anybody who's taking an L, but we can't ignore the young man had a decent game. Yeah, you know, I mean, sometimes sometimes people look at tackles from defensive backs and say, well, that maybe that's not good. Well, the thing was is he, he was active in the run game. He was where he was supposed to be, number one. I think uh, I think when you look at our how our defensive backs have played over the last month or so, I think I think DJ Reed has really helped this football team. Um, a lot of twelves didn't know anything about him until two weeks ago, and he stepped in and done a nice job. He's going to be in the right spot. Um, he stepped in, did a really nice job at nickel, and then just shows his versatility to jump back outside. So love to see it. And one thing I didn't know is I had no idea his uh, punt or kickoff return ability. Hey, that was the best go. kickoff return all season, and he saw that burst. So it's good to have another uh, weapon back there because Travis Homer kind of got dinged with a hand injury. Um, so it's good to see that the Seahawks have more weapons, and DJ Reed is just continuing to prove that he's a, a valuable member of this football team. DJ Reed, keep adding value to this team, young man. Next playmaker, Jamal Adams, seven tackles, two, ta- 
two sacks, a forced fumble, two tackles for loss, one QB hit, um, and he played on a bad shoulder. Yep. It was early, too. It was that first series we saw him walk into the locker room. We're like, oh, man, what is it? I thought maybe he reactivated his growing. Wasn't that. Bum shoulder, comes back, has two sacks, a strip sack. He's doing what we're paying him to do. Yep. He's not going to be an interceptions guy. He's causing havoc. This defense had the best performance I think they've had all year, even with their seven sacks last year. And a lot of it is because he's getting after the quarterback. Yeah, no, that's what Jamal Adams does. He's one of the best blitzing uh, football players in the National Football League. And I love him down in the box. I love him like an extra linebacker, man. That's that, I think that's his strength, and I think he does that really well. And the other thing about it, too, was Pete talked about it when uh, he spoke to you guys on Danny and Gallant this morning, was not only is he playing with a bum shoulder, when he creates that strip sack, he had to go at it with the wrong arm because he couldn't lift his other arm up high enough, and he still got it done, still got another sack after that. So I just love to see the toughness out of Jamal Adams. You know he's a gamer. He will do – anything for this football team. Um, so I, and I love his mentality, even though he talked after the game, saying we're going to be fine. You know, we screwed up. He owns anything. Uh, he takes responsibility for it. So he's just a leader on this football team. And, and I think with him in that role, things are going to get better. And I think we started to see that in the second half. Side note, Jamal Adams, his post-game fits are so West Coast. I'm <laughs> hey, oh, West Coast. <laughs> my man is always looking fresh for show. Uh, and the last playmaker, Kyle Fuller, man. Kyle Fuller, Aaron Donald, which I shouted to the mountaintops, to anyone that listened to me, is the best defensive player in the National Football League, the best, potentially one of the best defensive players of this generation. Let me read yeah. you a stat line once again. Zero tackles, zero sacks, zero tackles for loss, two QB hits, and if you look at the numbers in pure impact, that's the worst game he's ever played against Seattle. So big ups to Kyle Fuller. Aaron Donald wasn't over the center. 100%, of course, he moved around. He was lined up over the guards, over Upati and Lewis at different times. But when he was on Kyle Fuller, Kyle Fuller did a great job. Again, he stepped in, was playing on a high ankle sprain, calling the, the, calling the, the protections and whatnot. And it's just, it's just amazing to see a guy like that step in against a caliber of that defensive line and ball out. And what people don't understand is that center is the second quarterback. He's calling the box. He's communicating with five guys out there. He's relaying calls from Russell Wilson. He has to be on point at all times. And then you have one of the best defenders of all time lining up over you maybe 50 to 60% of the time. And big ups to those guards, too. Mm -hmm. uh, they, they're going to help on the double teams. It's, it's a, it takes a, a village yeah. to block Aaron Donald. And that's what we saw. Yes, the Hawks lost. It didn't pan out the way that you wanted to. But there were some bright spots. And this offensive line, specifically Kyle Fuller, was a bright spot. Big ups, young man. I assume he's going to be out for a few weeks because of that high ankle sprain. You came in, you filled in, you did your thing. Good for you. All right. Wide receiver roundup. Not much to see here this week, Nas. Yeah. Lockett five catches, 66. Freddie looks explosive. Yeah, three for 37, a longer 21. If Freddie was active for a few weeks and then kind of faded a little bit, mm -hmm. now he's back. I like seeing Freddie get some love. Yeah, no, Freddie looks good, man. I think, I think especially with all the attention to DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett, um, David Moore has obviously played super well this year. But Freddie looked good yesterday, and I love to see him. I like to see him improving every week. And when you're in there, and Russ decides to throw you the ball, make it happen because that's just building that chemistry and that trust. And don't give Russ a reason not to go your way. So I love to see Freddie. Freddie football getting after it. Like to see it. Greg Olson had two for 33. DK, two for 28. Wasn't targeted in the first half. 
Pete Carroll said they called his number. They called his number, the plays that are meant to go for him. But reads take you off of it. If Jalen Ramsey's playing it perfectly, you go off it. If the defense takes away a certain route, you go off it. I don't think they said, oh, my gosh, Jalen Ramsey is on it. We're not going to throw in the football. It was like, look, they played the perfect defense for this call. So sometimes you just have to move on in your reads. Yeah, you have guys underneath. We And honestly, I haven't had a chance to go through the coaches film yet. It's not up yet. But I'm really interested to see how they played him because I think a lot of times you did – when they weren't in man, you had a safety over the top or you had a linebacker buzzing underneath. So there's different ways to take him away and that hopefully we were hoping that would open up some other guys. But And there's another one on the sideline that would have been a huge catch that was just out of his fingertips, and that was one that you normally see Russell and DK hook up on. So he makes that catch. The, his stat line looks a lot different, but it's just one of those days, man. Um, we'll see the Rams again, and I think we'll be better prepared. Most definitely. DJ Dallas, running back, had two for 23. Two big plays. It was kind of scramble plays, too. Russell flicks the ball to him on one. He does this Stefan Diggs imitation, getting his knees up, trying mm-hmm. to shake dudes. Nice to see him get the rock. Homer had three for 19. Disley, one for 16. Demo, two for 16. Hollister, one for six. And then Alex Collins, one for four. Lots of names on this stat sheet, but not a lot of yards and no touchdowns. I expect this to look different this Thursday against Arizona Cardinals. But now let's break down a play in the coach's corner. All right, this first play we are going to look at, the only play we're going to look at is Allen's Collins' 13-yard touchdown on a run on the opening drive, setting the tone. At the Rams' 13, Collins stays in the backfield, quick, quick toss to him. He goes left side, inside the 10, inside the 5, touchdown, Seahawks! Around the left end with a good block by Disley, and Alex Collins has returned to Seattle to score six with their first opportunity. The Seahawks are on the board, and they lead 6-3. Man, I really like this play design. All right, They motion the tight end over to the right side of the formation. Boom, they bring him back to be the lead on the toss for Alex Collins. He gets out. DK goes flat down the line of scrimmage and seals the edge. Boom. Uh, who's the receiver? Demo gets to the second level, makes a block. The tight end, I believe that's Hollister, makes another block. But it's all about 76. Ooh, 76 makes boy. big boy, triple OG, Dwayne Brown, leads the charge and drives a grown man 12 yards into the end zone. This is the type of football we miss not having 32 back there. Oh, no question about it. And you look at Dwayne as he climbs the second level. He makes contact with that, with that linebacker at the 10-yard line and takes him for a ride onto his back two yards deep in the end zone. And that's the physical stuff you love seeing. Like Ray Roberts talked about a ton on the pregame show. He, Dwayne, Dwayne Brown has those big arms meant for smashing people. Get this man out on the perimeter and do work. And it's everybody making their block. It's, it's Lewis sealing a guy. It's Kyle Fuller getting a little double team from Fuller and Will Disley getting a linebacker, taking him out of the play. It's uh, – Jacob Hollister running out, trying to cut a defensive back out there. So it's just great to see them getting downhill north and south. And that's what this football team, that's what we've been used to seeing for the past five years or so. That's This is what we do. So no matter who's back there, I like this kind of action. Anytime Dwayne Brown can get out on the edge and get a full head of steam and he's going to block linebackers and DBs, it's going to be a long day. Long day. And this happened on the opening drive. The Rams only gave up seven points on opening drives prior to this. The Hawks set the tone and said, look, we're going down the field. We're going to get it done. Didn't work out in the long run, but it's nice to see them come out fast. The last two weeks, this offense come out slow. I asked Pete Carroll, I go, is there something you guys are doing different in pregame? He goes, nah, it's just focus and execution. That's what it comes down to. These are grown men. These are professionals. So, Nass, 
We're not in the greatest formation of football this week. The clock just ran out on us. A knee taken by Hundley. They're just going to let the clock wind down. Pete's not even going to bother taking that last time out. The clock ran clock out is- again for the second week in a row. Bump, man, it's 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 tough. I I never this formation. It just feels uncomfortable because we're just not used to it. We were so spoiled to start the year five and zero, oh, and then you lost to Arizona, and then we got to figure it out. And just just feel this two game two weeks in a row. It's just weird. I I don't like it. I don't like it at all. But you you know it is what it is. It's all about the football. And once again, turnovers. We're the main difference in the game. Seahawks had three. The Rams had one. Lose the turnover battle, you lose the game. Yep. If you don't win the turnover battle, you're probably going to lose the game. On the bright side, the defense played better in the second half. They they played better. Only allowed six points. We haven't done that in a very long time, Nash Chobie. So there's a positive. Only allowed six points. Jamal Adams was a factor again. Two sacks. He's going to lead this team in sacks. End of the year, I think I'm going so. to call it right now. He's going to have eight to ten sacks. He's going to lead this team in sacks. We need more of that. No, I love it. Hey, if he, if he leads this team with, with 10, 11 sacks, I'll be more than happy. Um, and, yeah, you mentioned I love the defense only allowing six points and zero in the fourth quarter, which has been a point where yeah. we've struggled all year long, giving up a ton of yards in the fourth quarter. So you like to see that. So that that's the positive side. And – We've been talking about it kind of periodic throughout the show. It's the Seahawks need to find that running game again. Um, yeah. And if Carson and Hyde aren't back on Thursday night, we, we still have to figure out a way between Collins, Homer, and Dallas. We have to get the running game going because right now it's not working without some kind of bounce, and that's what we need. Yeah. Here's the, here's the bad news. Hawks have lost two in a row. That's true. Here's the good news. They're still top first place in the division, baby. You got a game coming up on Thursday against a team that beat you and beat the Bills on a Hail Mary, one of the greatest plays I've seen in a while. But it's time to get revenge. You are at home. You are undefeated at home. Protect your house. Contain Murray. Hobson's going to do what he does. Ballers are going to ball. But I think that if this team can get healthy, I'm I'm optimistic. I I know it's going to be tough. I know it, it can go either way. But this is a big game. This team usually rises to the challenge. Why not this week on Thursday? Absolutely, Bump. Why not this week? Just a reminder, find complete Seahawks coverage on 710 ESPN Seattle. The 710 ESPN Seattle app or at 710sports.com. 710 ESPN Seattle, the voice of Seattle sports. Bump, we still have everything in front of us. Everything the Seahawks want to accomplish this year is still in front. They can still win the NFC West. It's time to get back. We talk about it all the time. Own the NFC West. Huge game on Thursday. We'll be back one of the next two days with a preview. Bump, let's get it done. Hey, let's get it done. Bounce back, baby. The Hawks look to gain some revenge on Thursday. They lost to the Rams. They'll see them again as well. Hey, payback is a you-know-what, and me and Nass will holler at y'all soon. Thanks for tuning in on the Hawks Talk Recap.